Hello everyone and welcome to Synesthesia, a podcast about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music. We chat to the artists behind the record sleeves, videos, photoshoots and stylings of the freshest new sounds, exploring how contemporary culture, fashion, illustration and design reflect and enhance the musical experience. Music has always been our passion and remains an integral part of our lives. That's why we decided to put together this podcast, which we called Synesthesia, because we perceive music not only with our ears, but also with our eyes. Synesthesia, the artist behind the artist. Hi everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Synesthesia, episode number 17. Wow, it's been a while. Today we are back to London, and I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Ayomikum Fagbemi, a young creative based in London who's been pushing boundaries with socially conscious projects that address collective issues such as climate change, racism, and underrepresentation of minorities in the creative industries. Ayo is the co-founder of Play Nice, a creative studio building intersections between communities, a cultural slash social enterprise that incarnates the present and future artistic soul of London, both for the sounds and visuals they push, but mostly because of their quest for meaning and their aim to leave a lasting impact on the communities they work with, giving back to them. In fact, Play Nice strives to offer often forgotten and repressed talents the means to build their own path in the creative industries. Ayo is here today to talk about Play Nice's recent short movie, The New Rave Scene, which discusses the role of Black Diaspora in the birth and evolution of club music, turning a spotlight on London's contemporary underground scene. The film, commissioned by the Design Museum, is on display at their ongoing exhibit Electronic from Kraftwerk to the Chemical Brothers. But now let's meet Ayo and get to know more about how his philosophy of work is reflected on Play Nice. Hello Ayo, how do you do? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me and uh, yeah, I'm excited to kind of get into this conversation. Welcome to Synesthesia. It must have been tough in London in the past few months. Yeah, no, I'll be honest with you, it's been, it's been uh, difficult but at the same time, man, I'm, I'm I'm grateful to kind of have family around me, friends around me, uh, people that like uh, love me, and I also love them. And also just making sure we kind of have that community around us, which has kind of been a bit missing. But that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, and, and trying to make sure that we kind of keep going even in this period. You must be struggling having a lot of uh, projects uh, parked uh, at the moment. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. This is one of the kind of things I've been um, laughing and joking about with a lot of my friends in the creative industry. Everyone has like. Like a, a little folder like COVID, COVID projects that got cancelled. Um, but I think the thing is, man, there'll be lots of lots of little cool ideas in there that hopefully people start to resurrect when we start kind of going back to normal. At the end of the day, man, I always believe ideas are infinite and uh, you can kind of have another one. And um, part of the reason we keep going is just to kind of envision envision those ideas. And I'm sure, like yourself as well, and uh, you've probably had a couple projects that kind of got part. Yes, let's open that folder in the second half of 2021. <laughs> the media say that we're going to be going through another roaring 20s after this pandemic. So definitely there will be life for these projects. <laughs> I know it's going to be a bit of a mad one when we come out, isn't it? I think everyone's going to go a little bit crazy, but I think um, very much well-deserved. 
well deserved indeed Ayo, let's talk about your career background i know that you are very young and how you ended up founding play nice yeah so i kind of talked to you a little bit about how i even got into the creative industry kind of growing up going to school like i was i kind of came from a very kind of an academic focus i was kind of in this like weird space where i knew i wanted to do something creative i was like proper interested in it. i used to watch like a bunch of like skate videos i used to do little weird things like remember i'd like if I, there was like a song i really loved i'd like try and find the email of like one of the rappers and like email them like, i've got a music video idea for you like just like really like silly like really interested in, in creative but didn't know how to get it into it or didn't know like what were some of the avenues um but one of the kind of greatest moments was um being at uni and like writing for, for this magazine and also starting my own kind of clothing brand time all of these kind of like little entry points gave me a conversation starters with other people and expanded my kind of sense of community as well and I guess off the back of that when I left uni I went traveling for a bit went Southeast Asia uh, with my uh, partner and in that time period I remember I saw some job ad for the Kennedys which is this scheme that Wyden and Kennedy were doing it's like oh that's that, that seems interesting I'll, I'll, I'll sign up to that signed up and um, when I got back to London, had the interview um, and basically got into the, to the course. Um, but I also got in with a friend of mine who kind of applied for the same thing as well, Nate as well. And so I guess from there, we kind of were working and started developing our, our kind of working relationship. And he, we, we kind of were constantly kind of like talking about different ideas here and there. Kind of just like bubbled up when um, it was during the, the climate crisis and very, very early on. I remember I actually interviewed a lot of the school strikers basically I sent this interview around to a bunch of like friends and I also sent it around to people who I was working with at Widens yeah kind of everyone wanted to, to do stuff and support but nothing kind of materialized and I was like actually I feel like we need to do something more I feel like we need to support their kind of cause and we need to make sure that their, their voices are taken seriously so we had this idea it was like how can we actually make sure that their voices are taken seriously and, and, and I, my kind of mindset was we need them to be in this nice stack. We need to, them to be in that space where people in the creative industry go, you know what, this is a cause that we can champion as well. Because I think that's super, super important that we think about where it's like, if we all used our skills in a kind of way to kind of help a certain cause, that cause could kind of be on, on a different level. So we teamed up with some friends um, called I Love You, who had done some stuff uh, on the kind of EU and, and, and around like the Brexit issue as well. And we really liked a lot of the work they did. So we, we, we reached out to them and we worked on this project together putting together five kind of activists and five designers and the activists kind of made sure that the, they, they art directed it the kind of words on the posters uh, posters were there printed them out stuck them together and then on that kind of day uh, March 15th it was just like really really beautiful to see them holding all their kind of placards up it marks uh, almost uh, exactly two years uh, from that protest and then you won a design award with this project yes yes we did we did I, I'm completely honest with you Enrico it's, I was so surprised and I didn't really know the magnitude of the award we uh, we got nominated for busy designs of the year and, and the work was showing in the design museum it was crazy if I'm honest because actually when I was on the Kennedys and we actually went to go and see that show the Busy's Designs of the Year show the year before see in my wildest dreams I never thought that my work would be in that space especially coming from kind of like where I come from and having not too much of a kind of in into the design community but yeah that definitely kind of gave us 
a bit of a kind of spring in our step. And if I'm honest with you, Enrico, it's like people were probably taking us a bit more seriously than we were taking ourselves. I have a follow-up question from your time at university. What were you studying? Uh, I was studying um, politics and international relations. That's a really interesting detail because uh, not all creatives have a background in politics and international relations. So maybe that's why you were able to find that sensitive spot in climate action and tried to link your passion for the creative industries, design with a social cause. No, I think it's a great, very, very great point that you've made then. I think that's definitely that runs through all of the kind of work we do. A lot of the things in terms of the social impact, I look at it in a way where it's like, I'm trying to really please my 17 year old self who wants to see something cool, who wants to see something on Hype Beast, who wants to see something living in culture in a kind of really interesting way. But at the same time, I'm also trying to look at my 80 year old self who cares a little bit less about that stuff and cares about the kind of social impact that is there as well and I think that's super super important for us in terms of marrying those two things of like yes we will want the kind of 17 year old kid who loves the kind of cool thing but we also want him to start going into a direction of understanding some of the more social impact stuff that you can start doing with creativity but as the world's moving in that way I think we're definitely kind of trying to make sure we continue to kind of spread those messages um, but also do it in a way that's kind of relatable accessible and interesting you know and cool and colorful so let's stay on the social yeah. impact of your work but let's talk about uh, your first music related gig with play nice because play nice yeah. was born in march 2019 and then summer you worked on the carney ready workshop and community fundraiser can you explain to our listeners the cultural relevance of the notting hill carnival because a lot of people still take it for granted or approach it uh, just as a huge street party first of all i just want to shout out martha and all the people at the tropical isles because um there's so much work that goes into preparing for notting hill carnival that people don't realize in terms of the costumes the community work and even just building the floats it's like there's so much work that goes into that into that process but at the same time there's also so like you're so right enrico there's so much history into notting hill carnival history around protests history around black people in britain and just history around the kind of black diaspora experience. And I think that's one of the main reasons we really wanted to kind of work with those people. And also kind of like a big shout out to our friend Taro Shimada, who's just like a super, super great community activist and also organizer, even though you might not kind of see him as one, he was super inspirational in terms of introducing us to them. And one of the things in terms of that project was how do we start to shine a a spotlight on all of the work that they do and um, so we kind of made this fundraiser where we did a bunch of like workshops with them looking at like making headrests and I think one of the main things that we're trying to do is figure out how to kind of con- continue our work with, with those people because um, yeah Notting Hill Carnival is such a such a, a major point in British life and, and I know you were talking about it a little bit before but I'll be honest man I miss that shit man I miss it like just like seeing the vibes the music the deviations there's channel one I've been really Really getting into this film Babylon at the moment and I just think there's so much rich history and culture that we're often not told in our kind of educ- 
education system that there's a real big opportunity to kind of really blow out what the true meaning of Notting Hill Carnival is because those are the things that like allow you to see yourself as a kid those are the things that allow you to kind of see the lineage and the history of, of the way in which we've kind of lived in, in this country I was obviously as, as I'm Nigerian myself I'm not Caribbean but definitely being Nigerian there's like a there's a still a strong link to, to Notting Hill Carnival coming there waving your flag waving your Nigerian flag waving your Barbados flag Jamaica flag like it feels like a real real day uh, of celebration we call it Caribbean Christmas I can't wait till Caribbean Christmas is back would you go to the Notting Hill Carnival every year while growing up as a kid and teenager in London as a teenager yeah like it was just such a vibe and there is also this sense Enrico if I'm honest with you where it's like growing up you, I didn't realize the kind of the, the, the real meaning of it um, is only until you get older and you start kind of reading books and, and talking to some of the olders where they kind of make you realize like shit man there's actually some real real history behind this there's some real kind of understanding of, of protest there's some real understanding of like black joy for me it kind of sums up black joy in, in, in the kind of most simple way turning a struggle into beauty turning something that is seen as difficult into something that can bring so much love and light to the world and I think that's something that the people involved in Notting Hill Carnival need to be kind of forever kind of uh, grateful for and I think we need to make sure that we kind of hero them more in our cultural institutions. Ayo, I really do appreciate your honesty when you admitted to yourself that you didn't quite get the meaning of the carnival when you were a teenager because I feel like in our industry, both in the arts and the creative industries in general, it's very hard for people to admit their ignorance to a certain extent. But I relate to you a lot because when I was a teenager, I wouldn't quite get the broader meaning and social impact of the things I was taking part into. So I really respect you for this. Can I just say one more thing on that as well, Enrico, where it's like, it goes back to that thing where it's like, first of all, I'd say, man, it's important to admit your ignorance. It's like every every man is, is greater than another in some way, in one form or another. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're, all, we're all dumb. And I think I really believe in this concept of the malleable mind. But I think there's a big thing there where it's like, there's an entry point. I love the kind of gateway in terms of information and experience and I guess the entry point is that kind of thing where you might not fully understand it but I think the, the problem in a lot of life is that people stop at that one point whereas actually like I feel like you should continue that journey of understanding uh, when it comes to things and I think that only comes Enrico when you admit ignorance ignorance is the starting point for intelligence and knowledge I, I can't help agreeing actually the older I grow the more ignorant I feel I remember hosting my first radio shows when I was uh, in my early 20s interviewing mm. also very high profile artists and people here in Italy and I felt like I knew stuff and I was very confident myself of what I was saying now it's the opposite <laughs> <laughs> anyway the two projects that we just discussed the climate change one that kicked off the play nice adventure let's say and the mm. ready community fundraiser both these projects try to fill the gap between the creative sector and the community's driving culture in the city. Since Synesthesia is a show about the creatives who shape the aesthetics of music, I wanted to ask you how you are filling this gap in the music industry. 
music is something that's always been really really kind of close to my heart and uh, close to the kind of work that we do at Play Nice um, we, we've also kind of been working with a lot of different artists we worked a lot um, with this kind of artist underground artist called Kambu in the early stages we've also kind of worked with a producer called um, Pullen who's kind of his, his right hand man and works on a lot of the stuff that they've done they've just kind of released a song called Black on Black which is amazing and then also Play Nice has a kind of label function as well so we've released some records with this amazing jazz artist and called Dellen who released some stuff with um, this kind of great rapper called Lewis Culture and an amazing scene called Deo Bello so yeah, that's out now on, on playing nice records and that's something we're really really trying to make sure we keep going because um, I think the thing is with Play Nice is that, again, we're very like malleable. We can kind of be in this kind of community space with climate activists, with kind of tropical isles, but also kind of release music with labels. And I guess the main thing that we're really trying to start to do is play with this idea of intersectionality and intersections. I think it's so important that things shape, you know, music needs design, but design also needs music. So when we're in a kind of design context, how can we bring music into that? But when we're in a music context, how can we bring design into that? I think the differing thing is what is the kind of main thing at the forefront and really just shaping and playing with with that. And I guess for us, music is, is so, so important. It's definitely something that we're really trying to stay close to and uh, want to be involved in. You mentioned the bringing design into music and vice versa. And yeah. I've been thinking about a very simple thing, which I love anyway. You're a flyer for the year one party at the Hackerstone. The flyer was uh, designed by We Prior and uh, it was just a great. And I think that's an interesting way also of uh, pushing not only new artists, but also emerging design. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. And um, that was amazing, like working with Wei, like he's a, he's a great collaborator and, and, and someone that we really, really love working with. We were like, yeah, we want to throw a party and we started to think about like what was the kind of list of, of, of talent that we wanted and we create, create, created a lineup which had like Scooty, Kambu, Masterpiece. We had uh, downstairs, we had Horacio, um, who plays like great kind of Latin funk music. We had Jess and A-Chibs. Like, we just had so many kind of great names in London and it was just such a vibe. And upstairs, downstairs, had Pullen again. We had this Pullen Presents where he kind of brought all of the, the artists down. And it was just such a, such a really, really fun night. And it, when it comes to the design, it's like me and Wei had been talking a while, for a while in terms of like working together. And we're just sending references back and forth. And that's one of the things that I kind of love about the kind of community and the collaborators we, we have around us is that there is this just sense of like shared vision and, and trying to find those spaces and pockets for us to kind of work together and let's be honest Enrico a lot of the times we're working kind of commercial settings and a lot of the work with playing nice is it's not as much as we can do the commercial stuff it is sometimes uh, the, the, the kind of anti of that so when we work with people we always try and make sure that we kind of give people the space to play and that's super super important I brought up uh, your party for your first birthday not just because uh, it was a hell of a night and the last night out my last night out before lockdown yeah. but also because it reflects uh, your idea of uh, community building mm. of gathering people and talents uh, so filling that gap between uh, the creative industries and
and what's happening on the streets, as we said uh, in the previous part of uh, the episode. But also because uh, the fact that you are so keen on parting, let's say, is uh, reflected also on the project we want to talk about today, the new race. Yeah, yeah. Let's go into clubbing now, Ayo. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Let's talk about your latest film production, the new rave for the Design Museum's Electronic from Kraftwerk to the Chemical Brothers exhibition. How have you approached this project from a creative point of view? The main thing was that it was about, first of all, about relationship and um, off the back of the project with the kind of climate strikers and UKCN winning that award and being shown in that museum, it kind of opened my eyes to design and I was kind of always looking at new designers and always looking at kind of different people in that space and also just like my relationship with the museum in of itself had changed and I guess when they kind of came to us with this brief and trying to think about how can we kind of get more um, people involved in this exhibition and more people involved in the kind of cultural institutions at like design museum the first thing i thought about was how do you start to encourage people to have a relationship with an institution have a relationship with a museum uh, and through the context of this exhibition it's about seeing yourself so the main thing that we tried to really do and um, with the kind of the, the new rave in the film was we kind of took a step back and we were like we could celebrate all of the different people in the exhibition already like your jeff mills and your, your kind of jen the kuru all of these kind of big names who have had such an impact on kind of techno music and electronic music from the kind of black diaspora perspective. A lot of that story is not told um, and we wanted to make sure we told that story of the kind of real history um, of electronic music being black music because that's a thing. And I guess the main thing we wanted to do was not just shine a light on the past but also shine a light on the future. Shine a light on the people and the kind of people who have been doing such great work in our scene in the London community in terms of the electronic space but also the people who in a few years will be in the, in, in the exhibitions. I have no doubt that people like Tommy Gold through his work with Bone Soda will be credited in an institution or people like Errol Anderson with his kind of amazing and ethereal nights and, and spaces like touching base will be able to be in an institution or even like Tash with just like the crazy sounds that she has from like gl global funk and all of the kind of crazy records that she pulls out and from, from all parts of the world like her crate digging knowledge is second to none and again not to kind of forget her as well Shy One Marley in terms of all of the kind of amazing stuff that she does in, in that space it, from a kind of opening up um, for more kind of queer and non-binary people. I have a kind of a hard follow-up question for you on this topic. Okay, our go on. Listeners, our listeners are from everywhere in the world. Let's yeah. say that next year they are visiting London. Why would you recommend them to go to a night like a Bone Soda or Touching Base or Boko Boko night? What's the zeitgeist? The zeitgeist is really about... It's about, if I'm honest with you, man... It's about it's about real, real diversity. Diversity of thought, diversity of music, diversity of people. Um, and I think that's one of the things that you get in those spaces. You get in those spaces is an open-mindedness um, from the way people dress to the way people talk. And it really just opens your eyes and makes you realize that London is such a global city. Um, and I think that's the best thing about those nights. You mentioned the way people dress, and this is the ultimate question of the episode. Mm. What do you think are the unique aesthetic features of the new rave scene in London that you portrayed in your short video? For instance, if in 1989 we had smile patches and overalls, what are nowadays visual icons of this movement? You know what? 
I think that question is funny in of itself because I think our visual icon is that there is no visual icon in the sense of everyone has their own pocket and version of that. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say in terms of like the kind of the diversity of it, where beforehand, just how you had everyone watching the same five TV shows. Now everyone is watching millions of different Instagram pages or YouTube platforms. And I guess that's almost the beauty of it, where you're always kind of seeing something new. You're always finding a new icon and there's always also personal icons rather than kind of collective icons and I think that's an interesting thing to start playing with in the sense of community where you can have community where actually you might not have all of the same reference points or, or kind of points of icons and um, I think for our generation that's something that is interesting and something that I think is, is, is playing up a lot in terms of how we interact with one another. And how about brands that gravitate towards the world of clubbing and the underground? For instance, we had an episode here on Synesthesia about Carhartt and how Carhartt still has a credibility to work with um, uh, emerging independent artists. Are there any brands you see that relate more to this new rave scene? I think Hood Bayer definitely uh, in, in New York is doing really well. They've kind of captured that zeitgeist. I think always the kind of the, the number one ones like Stussy, they're constantly doing well. Um, I've got also a shout out like Cortez, um, which is this kind of brand um, by, by this guy called Clint. Why do you think clubbers uh, still respect the brands like Stussy and Carhartt? Number one, they probably employ very cool people who are in those parties. I'd say that is the number one thing is that they probably just have some people who really just get what's going on. That is the kind of gold standard for a lot, a lot of what these people do. But then also they have an internal ethos that values culture to an nth degree. And I think that's so, so important where you value culture to the point that you as maybe CEO of Stussy can go, actually, I'm ignorant. I need to employ such and such. A lot of brands find that difficult. Is it the same approach you're applying to Play Nice? Obviously, you've mentioned it already, but yeah, not to kind of toot my... I'm a bit... I'm kind of young, aren't I? But at the same time, I also make sure that I'm trying to speak to like 17, 18-year-olds about stuff. They teach me as much stuff as I kind of teach them as well. And I think there's always this each one teach one and exchange of information and knowledge. Because I think, yeah, yeah, you can never, ever kind of rest on your laurels when it comes to culture. We mentioned fashion, so we can talk about the um, t-shirts you produced as a um, capsule collection for the new rave uh, short movie. Yeah, no, that was super, super cool, man. Like, loved that. That was worked on with Aaron Skipper, who's like an amazing designer, and also Mark Gilligan, um, who's also kind of a major, amazing kind of motion wizard. They've designed those tees, which was like amazing. I'm, I'm literally like got one in my closet now which kind of came, came a bit late, but it, it was great. But also just working with Keep Hush as well, which was amazing. Those guys are really kind of interesting and they're doing lots of great work in the music space to kind of support artists. Um, and it just felt like a kind of no-brainer. And I guess a lot of the work in, in the creative industry is increasingly more and more digital. And yes, we want to keep doing the kind of digital work. Uh, but at the same time, we also want to make sure that we start to make things that are physical and physical ephemera. And that's something you're going to see a lot more from us this year. Uh, and just creating those artifacts that kind of have a longer lasting effect. And that's what we're trying to do with the t-shirts and also I'll come on to it in a bit, but the zine and making yeah. sure that we make those, but also make them in a kind of more sustainable way as well. 
one question about the t-shirts are they sold out or can this our listeners still find them online no no yeah they, they've all sold out and um, we actually sent the profits to the black curriculum which is another kind of great initiative uh, in 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 the uk trying to change um the education system to, to again get more kind of topics around the kind of black diaspora and and the effect of a lot of um black people in britain see that's a way of giving back to your community exactly how about, exactly. How about the zine can we find them anywhere uh, yeah no that that was uh, that's uh, <laughs> that sold out as well i'll be completely honest with you man it's it was it's quite a thing where making the, that zine was the first time i almost felt like what it felt like to be an artist in the sense that even when i was handing not handing them off to the zine publisher mike ford who's got this kind of thing called xfell who released them through it was that thing where i almost didn't want to give it away and um, because of the kind of the thought and the time that went into it coming up with the idea again with aaron and, and designing it around this whole kind of record sleeve and getting the kind of seven inch record sleeves putting the making sure it kind of fit in with the kind of box like zine writing all of the kind of interviews and, and the kind of getting a lot of the rich kind of insight from a lot of the kind of interviews i did with the talent and just kind of telling those stories again Again, it's something I'm really, really proud of. Now we have to put aside Play Nice and go back to your professional figure, to your preferences, to your taste, yeah. because it's time to introduce our columns. The first is a Word on the Street. Word on the Street. Is there any specific musician you would like to collaborate with at the moment? There's so many though, Enrico. There's, um, I, like this, I like this guy called Liam, kind of like South London kind of rap all but all bit like techno as well um, i really like vegan i love a lot of the stuff again that lewis culture is working on we're trying to work on a project with i like Cambu, uh jeshi a lot of the kind of underground london scene i'm, I'm really kind of uh, loving but then also a bit of a throwback one as well i'm a big big fan of jamiroquai i love those bucket hats man I love Jim Miracle. I love that the, the the kind of the vibe and the essence he comes across with. So, so yeah, maybe you are you are the one introducing the next uh, column, which is a private collection. Private collection. This is about uh, a record sleeve slash music video that has left a mark on you. That's a great question. The record sleeve that I love, 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 love is Burial. You know, Burial Untrue? Of course. So yeah, Burial, um, that was, obviously, that was an amazing kind of weird time in my life where Burial really just, it really paints a picture of of, of, of London and, and just kind of that kind of murky kind of introspective style and burial the forte and the Tom York recent release was just kind of crazy and yeah I love that stuff um, but then another one I'll be honest with you is um, uh, Coco Rocco who's this kind of jazz band do you know them? Yeah I do yeah yeah i love um i love their work that they put out on roundswood recorded i just bought that record actually and then also alpha mist i love that me and me that's me and my partner my, my, my girlfriends um we love putting a bit of alpha mist on and just like having some dinner it's uh yeah it's got always got good memories with that okay then uh, the very very last one uh, it's a flavors oh you said music video actually didn't you yeah if you have a music video as well maybe by jamiroquai I don't know. Yeah, yeah, Jamiroquai, yeah, yeah, that video is mad. I love that. Which one? Do you remember a specific one? Uh, Virtual Insanity. Yeah, <laughs> it's my favorite yeah. as well. 
well. Yeah. I knew that you would have answered with that one. Last column, flavors. This is about your taste in the finest stuff in life. And not really, though, because we are going to be talking about Instagram pages as well. Okay. Anyway, your favorite Instagram page at the moment and a local spot slash venue you would recommend us to check out in London. Flavors. So my favorite Instagram page at the moment, I'm really liking this one called Revolutionary Readers Club, which is set up by a kind of, yeah, a, a new friend and hopefully new kind of uh, collaborator as well called Reese. Um, he does a book club every month, which I think is just like really, really sick and just like talks about a lot of kind of revolutionary topics. Um, and then another one that I really like as well, I love I love all the stuff that Actual Source put out from a kind of design perspective. Um, I love what they're doing. And then in terms of local spot, I'd say one of my favorite local spots um, as a teenager and still to this day, that to this to this day, hopefully we kind of see a revival is Total Refreshment Center. Here. And then also another spot that I'm really, really kind of hoping to get back to is, is the Haggerston because I love the kind of the, a lot of the stuff that they put on there. And obviously they helped us with their, our, our party. So yeah, definitely kind of check those places out. I miss the Huggerstone too. I oh my the corner. Also, I've been many times to Total Refreshment Center, but it doesn't exist anymore. They shut no, it. no, no. That's what I'm saying. I, I hope it. I hope it. That, that, I hope it comes back. But the thing is, there's an upstairs. Route 73 is a record label, and they have a um, they have a space up there. So sometimes I've gone to kind of check it out there and uh, the vibe still I still love the vibe there a sneaky thing is how can we bring it back Henrika maybe this podcast can bring it back I, I don't think so but maybe <laughs> I don't know maybe <laughs> let's work together to bring it back exactly it was my pleasure to have you here Ayo uh, and get to know more about uh, your professional life and uh, play nice thank you so much no I, I appreciate everything and I appreciate you even kind of reaching out and um, this is a great kind of way to kind of connect with people like yourself people in the creative industry and um yeah i'm really really excited for everything that you do and everything we do so yeah and let's definitely try in when when you get back to london we should probably go for a drink at the haggerston yes and uh, who knows maybe in the future we will end up collaborating on uh, a project let's see hopefully man hopefully that'd be great we believe in the concept of building communities we haven't really been able to do so in the past year because of a covid but uh, let's see what comes next exactly that'd be great what are you thank you thank you so much you just listened to synesthesia the artist behind the artist subscribe to our channel and follow us on instagram at synesthesia underscore podcast